Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Nonetheless, uh, it's good to be in church today. It's good to be in church today. Let's get into the word of God, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Amen. Amen. In Romans chapter 8, this is, this is probably Paul's, uh, it's probably Paul's most dense theological book. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in the book of Romans, and so uh, I'm, I'm weighing in deep waters, but uh, uh, I hope that we can uh, extract just a few things for our benefit here today. And uh, I'm of the opinion that any time the word of God is preached, uh, there are things that should follow. And so I believe today uh, that God can fill you with his spirit. Uh, beyond that, I believe that God can. I know God can. Amen. And I know that God can do some incredible things today. And so uh, we are going to participate in the word of God. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start with verse 14. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. And it says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Amen. Whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children than heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Uh, We've been preaching about the kingdom these last few days, and it's just in order that we continue in that same vein. So I'm going to ask, just set your Bibles down. I know we've prayed, uh, we've worshiped, we've sang, some of us have danced, ran, uh, we've done a little bit of everything, uh, but we're going to get into the word. Amen. And the word is going to do something in our lives. Can you grab somebody? hand next to you just make a point of contact as we connect together and uh, I've been around here just a few short days to know that this is a praying church and so I'm going to ask right now that you would close your eyes that you would lift your voice and that you would begin to pray from the front to the back I just want you just to begin to lift your voice and just begin to ask God God whatever you want to do today whatever you want to do in the next few moments God we make ourselves available that your word would speak to us with clarity that there would be understanding God, that there would be demonstration of your power and of your word. We give you honor and praise. God, we lift you up today. We magnify your name, Jesus. We exalt you for who you are. Father, we glorify you, God, because you're powerful, that you live above our sin and our iniquity. But God, you're holy, you're magnificent, you're worthy. There's nobody like you. We lift you up today and we glorify your name. All together, can we clap our hands to the Lord? And can we lift up our voice and just begin to offer up a shout of victory? Come on, why don't you shout unto God with the voice of victory? Thank you, Jesus. 
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Turn to two, three people. Tell them you look better than I do, and you may be seated in Jesus. John is one of the last apostles to exit the scene from this natural world to a spiritual context. And so in that, he sees things from a more later perspective than we do. Interestingly enough, by the time he's writing the book of Revelations, a lot of the apostles have already died. Most of them have never gotten the chance to read the book. But his last book is the book of John, or the Gospel of John. And in John chapter 1, he begins to expound on a few things. He pulls back all the way to the beginning, yeah. attempting, in my estimation, to connect Genesis chapter 1 to John chapter 1, but with some um, expounding. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. This is the basis of how John starts off his gospel. He starts off his gospel establishing the essence and the character of who God is. When John begins to describe God, when he begins to describe the word, the word that is God, it's the word that is God. It is that same very word that has life. It is that same very life that has light. And so the word is God. The word has life. The life produces light. I want to say that again. The word is God. The word has life. And the life produces light. I think it is appropriate in this day and hour where darkness seems to cover every aspect of our world, that we gain a new appreciation for the word of God. It is to our benefit that we don't just show up to church just to hear a good thought, a point that has been masqueraded in theology but steeped in psychology, but that we come in to hear God's word. I don't know about you, but I get excited when preachers preach the word of God, when they begin to open up a text and read on a text of the scripture. I get excited about words of God that I don't always completely understand. I've read and heard things in the scripture that I don't always get, but can I tell you what is unique about the word of God. The word of God is the only thing that can produce life and the word of God is the only thing that has light. I am thankful for the word of God. Amen. John continues and he says this light it shines in darkness 
and the darkness comprehends it not. The darkness doesn't understand what's going on. The darkness has a response that is not uh, is not initiated by itself, but it is it is a response that it must come to. It is it is it is pushed back. It is responding not in kind of a decision, but it's responding because light has the nature of pushing back darkness. And this is the light that John expounds on. And when he continues, he needs to emphasize a point, and he picks this up in verse 13. He begins to talk about, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now here is what's amazing. The light and the life and the word, this substance that existed, it had always been there. It existed before time and memorial. It was not limited to what we understand. But can I tell you this, where it became its most powerful and most potent in substance, it's when it wrapped itself in flesh. The word was always powerful. It was always full of life. It was always full of light. But when it became the most powerful to us is when it wrapped itself in flesh. You're going to get this before we leave, but can I tell you there's no more power that's coming to the word of God. There's no more power that's going to be put in the spirit of God. There's no more power that's going to be existing in the heavenlies. All the power of God exists as it is, but the difference is, is when the power and the word of God finds humanity to wrap itself in into. That's when it goes from just being a thought of power. That's when it goes from being removed in power to being our power. Can I tell you God's word is powerful when it gets in you. Amen. 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 We have to get the word in us. Everybody say get the word in you. Look at somebody tell them get the word in you. The word is powerful when you get the word in you. The word can't just be on the outside. Can't just hear it. You got to get it on the inside. You got to get this word in you. This is why Job said, I've esteemed the words of my of your mouth more than my necessary bread. I got it on the inside. I consumed it day and night. This is what Jesus said. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You have to get the word in you. You need to digest the word. You need to listen to the word. You need to consume the word. You need to open up your Bible and read the word. Can I just do this a little bit? You need to get the word in you. Amen. I know it's simple, but the word has to get on the inside. 
You see this throughout the Old Testament. It is so common amongst the people of God. You see this with Abraham. Abraham makes his way to Egypt because there was a famine in the land. You see this with Isaac. Isaac almost makes his way to Egypt, except the, uh, the, the, the sovereign hand of God, which stops the process because there's no bread in the land. You see this with the children of Isaac in Jacob. Jacob makes his way to Egypt because there's a famine in the land. The 12 tribes of Israel want to go back to Egypt because there's a famine in the land and the principle is this is whenever there's a famine of the word of God in our life we will make our ways back to Egypt we'll go back to things we let go of we'll go back to things we put down we'll go back to listening to things we stopped we'll go back to relationships and habits and attitudes and mentalities we'll go back to Egypt when there's no word in in our hearts. Can I tell you, you don't need to go to the store hungry and you don't need to go to the world without the word. Get the word in you. Amen. 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 You got to make sure the word's in there. It has to get in here because when the word gets in here, you don't have an appetite for other things. Can I tell you, your spirit is going to consume something. It's going to take in something. It's going to digest something. So you better make sure that you are digesting, you are consuming the word. I, I just need to stay here a little bit. You can't just get the word just on Sunday and just on Wednesday. Just when Pastor or when Brother Mattman does it, you have to get it for yourself. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Get a Bible plan. And stick to it. Even if you're three months behind. <laughs> Just play that thing. Catch up. <laughs> Amen. You got to get the word. Uh, this is so important because uh, there is a principle that is established that we are changed by what we take in. We are altered by what we consume. Somebody said you are what you eat. And what you consume is what you become. This is why we have to be cautious about who we let in our lives. We got to be cautious about the relationships we make. We have to be aware about the media habits that we form and shape. I know I'm the evangelist, but just let me do this this morning. We, we have to be careful. Isn't it interesting? Jesus, he hears that there is a daughter who has died. And the father runs to Jesus and says, Jesus, you got to come pray for my daughter. You got to come heal my daughter. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus starts to make his way to his house. And when Jesus gets inside the house, Jesus is confronted by what we call mourners. These are paid actors. They are paid to get involved with the process of mourning. They help to usher in a sense of 
of, of doubt and depression. They help to usher in a sense of grief and pain. They sympathize with you and they sit there and they cry with you. These are the mourners. And when Jesus walks in, Jesus looks at the little girl and says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And the mourners begin to go from crying to laughing. And they begin to mock Jesus. And Jesus stands and tells the owner of the house, get them out of the house. Get them out of here. Anything that's going to mock faith. Can I tell you we need to have some spring cleaning in our homes. Anything that would mock what God has told you, that would mock your spiritual growth, get it out of your house. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. The miracle of this girl coming back to life was predicated not only on what came in the house, but what needed to get out of the house. Amen. Amen. And, and in church today, we love telling you what we need to get in your house, but we don't like telling you what needs to get out of your house. But here's the deal. I'm not worried about the mourners. I'm worried about the daughter. But to see the daughter get where she needs to go, the mourners need to go where they need to go. We're not focused on your media habits just to be focused on your media habits, but we're focused on your marriage. And for your marriage to get where it needs to get, your media habits need Amen. Here it is. The emphasis was not on the mourners, but he needed to take care of the mourners first because they created an atmosphere that Jesus just didn't want to work in. Can I ask you a question? What is at your home that is going to mock and laugh what you're getting ready to carry out of here and over there? What is waiting for you at home that is going to laugh at the power of God that is wanting to change your kids? What is waiting for you at your home? And for some of us, we brought what is waiting for us at our homes. Amen. There are things in our house, things that happen in private that will mock what God is trying to do in here. And so we have to have a cleaning that says it cannot stay in the house anymore. Look at somebody and tell them, clean your house out. Amen. Amen. I'm going to jump off of that because I'm going to let your pastor handle the rest. Amen. But here it is that there needs to be an establishment that what happens on the inside is what God prioritizes. It's where God wants to work. This is why David said, search me and know my heart. I love the way he says, and see. And the word that I love is if, if there be any wicked way in me. David said, I need you to get on the inside. I need you to check out what's going on the inside. Because if I can get in here right, can I just tell you the truth? A lot of our struggle isn't out there. Our struggle is in here. Can I be honest? Uh, People act as a good excuse not to focus on in here. Amen. Amen. There's some people in our life, they're not the problem. They're just a good excuse not to focus on the problem. Amen. It got real quiet. Well, I'd grow, I'd grow spiritually if, if I had a wife who wasn't always nagging me about it. 
well, well I, I, I'd, I'd read my Bible if, if, if I didn't have kids that were always running around the house. And I'd have a better attitude if I had a better boss. Amen. <laughs> That's not your problem. Your problem's in here. We got to get in here situated. And so here it is that when God decides to change man, and he decides to bring in this new covenant, he tried to work it on the outside. Throughout the whole Old Testament, he tried to work it on the outside. He tried to give them laws and precepts. He gave them his word. He gave them a place of worship. He gave them methods of sacrificings and offerings to be offered. But as he did so, he came to the realization that he always knew that man cannot be changed from the outside in, but they must be changed from the inside out. And so isn't it any wonder that when God decides to do his greatest work amongst men and women, he doesn't start on the outside, but he starts on the inside. He takes his spirit and he puts it on the inside of you. Now, why is that? Because you and I were failed creatures. We're faltered. We have issues. I know we get dressed up when we come to church and we try to look like we got it all together and you want me to believe that you're good and well and I want you to believe that I'm all good and well. But the truth of the matter is, is that we all are failed. We're faltered. The only time we look good is when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. And I've seen a lot of us do that. Well, I'm not that bad. Have you seen so-and-so? Have you seen sister so-and-so? Have you seen brother so-and-so? But if we're really honest, under the lens of God's agenda, we have fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why when God starts, what he does is he puts it on the inside of us. This is why Romans chapter 8, he says, listen, uh, he says, I, I want you to be very clear. There's no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. So it's not just what gets in you, it's what you get in. Amen. 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 We God, God had to cover all his bases. He's like, listen, if I just put my spirit in you, I don't know if we can we might have some struggle. So not only do I have to put my spirit in you, I gotta put you in my spirit. It's like drinking water. It's one thing to get the water in you, it's another thing to get in the water. He said, We're gonna cover both. <laughs> We got to make sure, we got to make sure that it's not just what you're consuming, but it's also where you're living. I got to make sure that you're in the right context, you're in the right thing. Amen. Amen. That's why we pray, just to make sure we're in the right context, we're in the right thing. That's why we worship, because we want to stay in Christ. We want to stay in the Spirit. This is why it's so important that you receive the Spirit of God. You receive the spirit of God. Well, preacher, I, I, I've, I've already received the spirit. Well, preacher, I've, well, let me explain it this way. Uh, you want to make sure you receive the spirit of God the way God explained you that, he, that you would receive his spirit. There's no confusion about this. I know people try to make things tricky. I'm pretty simple, so I make things pretty simple because that's how I understand. You want to receive God's spirit God's way. If you've ever been to New York, I don't know if they do it now, but uh, I, I lived in New York for a little bit. And every once in a while, we'd go, uh, we'd go to the city. And uh, we grew up 45 minutes outside of Manhattan. And uh, kind of random street corners, you turn around, there'd be a guy. And he'd have a truck. 
and uh, he'd pop open his truck, and he would have the most gorgeous Louis Vuitton bags you've ever seen. I mean, he'd have Chanel, Coach, I mean, Burberry, he had it all. He had it all. The issue is, hey man, is that they were knockoffs. <laughs> I mean, they looked like the real thing. Uh, I mean, I, I, to the untrained eye, they, 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 I, I would have thought they were the real thing, but it wasn't the real thing. It was a knockoff. And so uh, the best way to tell uh, if something is a knockoff or not is to get a good receipt. Because if somebody questions, well, I don't think you got that from the original, you have evidence that this is proof she got the real thing. Can I tell you, that's why when we preach receiving the Spirit of God, we preach it with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen. It is the receipt. And can I tell you, tongues is not the Holy Ghost. That's why we don't focus on speaking in tongues. We focus on receiving the Spirit of God. But when you receive the Spirit of God, you'll speak in tongues. Because if, if you bought it from the right place, if I really bought that Louis Vuitton bag, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get a receipt. Amen. Now, the receipt isn't the Louis Vuitton bag. The receipt is just proof that I bought the Louis Vuitton bag. And so the receipt is evidence of what I've purchased. So we don't focus too heavy on, on, on we focus on receiving the spirit. But when you receive the spirit of God, you will speak in other tongues. Now, here's the common complaint that I get about it. Well, that's just weird. <laughs> and that's a valid point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not one of these guys who are going to lie to you. You know, some, some Christians and some believers try to make things like feel normal that aren't normal. Listen, it's not normal for you to come into church and run around and people shout and dance it, right? You know, and then they get behind the mic and yell at you about how this is just normal, right? <laughs> it's, no, it's not. <laughs> but just because it's abnormal, that doesn't mean it's wrong, right? <laughs> There's, there, there, there's a lot of things that were abnormal at some time or another. Flying a plane would be abnormal, but I'm glad we do it now. Amen. 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 Wearing clothes at some long time ago probably would have been abnormal, but I'm glad we do it now. <laughs> Just because it's abnormal, that doesn't make it wrong. I want you to understand that God wants you to have his spirit. He just doesn't want you to have it on the outside. He wants you to have his spirit on the inside. How do I know I have a spirit? Very simply, you're going to have evidence that you have a spirit. What is that evidence? You are going to speak with other tongues as the spirit gives you the utterance. Okay, so I know what the spirit is. I know what will happen when I get the spirit, but how do I receive the spirit? I'm so glad you asked. Amen. Jesus said, if you being evil fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Ghost? It is a gift that God gives every believer. Everybody say believer. Not a thinker. Amen. But a believer. This isn't something you process up here and you kind of got to uh, think real hard to kind of get. No, it's a believer. Well, what do they believe? You believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin. You believe the death, the burial, the resurrection. And when you personalize that and you believe it, you are a qualified recipient to receive the spirit of God. God wants to give you his spirit. You might be young and God wants to give you his spirit. You might be old and God wants to give you his spirit. 
You might say, I've gone to church my whole life. Great, God wants to give you his spirit. You might say, this is my first time darting through these doors. Great, God wants to give you his spirit. You know who qualifies to receive the spirit of God? The Bible says he wants to pour out his spirit upon all. Pull one of these, just kind of touch yourself a little bit. If you got some of that, some of us got more than others, but if you got some of that, praise God. You are qualified to receive the spirit of God. So here's what we're going to do in a little bit. When we begin to pray, God wants to fill every person in this room with his spirit. If you're a kid, God wants to give you his spirit. If you're an adult, God wants to give you his spirit. And how we're going to do is we're not going to beg God because we don't have to beg for what God wants to give. We are going to worship God. We're just going to begin to thank God. We're going to begin to thank him. And as you thank him, the Bible calls it rivers of living water. You're going to make room for the word that you've received to turn into life and light. Light is always moving. And that light, that river is going to be, that life is going to begin to flow out of you. And all of a sudden, your tongue's going to begin to tremble and sounds are going to begin to flow out as you speak in other tongues. We've made this thing complicated. It's not hard. You just have to receive it. And once you receive it, it'll begin to flow. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to let you be the evangelist for the next few seconds. I want you to don't just listen to my instructions real clearly here. Don't get too excited. I want you to find three people. And I want you to ask them, have you received the spirit of God with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? Now, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to find three people. Don't be the only one sitting out. I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to find three people. Make sure they give you an answer. Make sure they give you an answer. If you've never experienced the power of God with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, God wants you to experience it today. I want you to stay standing. Here's what we're going to do. If somebody around you said no, that's never happened. I want you to tell them God wants to give you his spirit today. God wants to give you his spirit today. Well, preacher, why would I want the spirit of God? Why would I want the Spirit of God? Well, I'm going to give you one good reason why you would want the Spirit of God. Because it's God. <laughs> I know that's simple. Because if God gets on the inside, how many of you guys think depression is stronger than God? How many of you guys think anxiety is stronger than God? How many of you guys think fear is stronger than God? Insecurities, is insecurity stronger than God? There's nothing stronger than God. So when you get God in here, if the problem is in here, guess where I want God? I want God in here. And so what we're getting ready to do is God is getting ready to fill people with his spirit. 
There might be some of you who are saying, well, it's been a while since I've experienced God in that dimension. It's been a while since I've spoken in other tongues. That's all right. God's getting ready to show you again. Hey, I'm still there. I still flow on that level. I think this is something that you should participate in often. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Amen. Amen. It is a practice of just letting that spirit begin to flow. In Romans chapter 8, he said, it's, we, we haven't received the uh, spirit of bondage to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. When you receive the spirit of God, you come into sonship. It is that spirit that begins to cry out, Abba, Father. That word Abba is an Aramaic word. It, best way to translate it just means daddy. It would almost seem repetitive, daddy, father, but father's a more technical term, but daddy's a more intimate term. When you receive the spirit of God, you, do, you, you get a closeness with God. You get a closeness with your father. A lot of us have a lot of fathers. Not a lot of us have a lot of daddies. But when you get the spirit of God, you get him not only in name, but you get him in proximity. God wants to give you his spirit. Amen. So here's what we're going to do as a church. This is the part, this is the part where uh, it gets a little hard because God wants to give you his spirit. But remember what I said, the word of God is powerful, but what do you got to do with it? You got to receive it. You got to take it in. You got to make room for it. Can I tell you the word had the ability to forgive sin, but guess when it did it? When it robed itself in flesh. It had the ability to bring in Jews and Gentiles together. But guess when it did it? When it came down in flesh. The word of God is already powerful. But guess when it will become powerful to you? When it gets in this flesh. I want you to find two or three people. And I want you to tell them, let's, let's, let's get what God has for us today. Let's get what God has for us today. I want you to grab somebody by the hand. I just want you to bring them down to this altar. We're all going to pray together as a family. I want family to come down. If you want God to bless your home, you want God to bless your life, don't be intimidated. I want you to come down. We're going to come down as a family. What I love about it is that God doesn't discriminate. There's a lot of places that might be the case. They want to check out your resume, know your last name, who you're connected to, your credit score. But God doesn't function that way. He shows no partiality. As long as you have faith, God will honor your faith. And so what I believe is I believe God wants to fill, refill, touch every person in this room. And so we're going to make groom for God to do that here. For some of you, you have never received the spirit of God. You've never received the spirit of God with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. For others of you, maybe it's been a while. For some of us, we just want just to reconnect with God. This is a practice that we should do every single day. For some of us, uh, maybe we're questioning an experience that we did have. Nonetheless, when we begin to worship, God is going to allow his spirit to minister to us. So what are we going to do? Here in a little bit, here's what we're going to do. When we begin to pray, the first thing we're going to do is, is we're going to lift both our hands. Can you practice that with me? Can you just lift both your hands? 
you can set your hands down. But the reason we're going to do that is because it's a sign of surrender. It's just the way that we say, God, I surrender. God, I'm making room for your spirit. The next thing we're going to do here in a little bit is we're going to close our eyes when we pray. And now this is hard for a lot of us, especially those of us uh, who, who don't think the best of people around, you know. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you're going to do to me, what you, you know, tell me to close my eyes, a little awkward. But I, trust this. The reason why I want you to close your eyes is because the person next to you is really nosy. Okay. <laughs> they're really nosy. So I want you to close your eyes so they're not paying attention to you and you're not paying attention to them. But when we close our eyes, we get into a space where we're just connecting with God. We're getting rid of the distractions. Amen. The last two, two things we're going to do is when we pray, we're going to pray with our words. Everybody say pray with your words. Here's what the Bible says. Your heavenly father knows what you ask before you ask it. Have you ever thought about that one? God knows what you have need of before you even ask. Well, then why does he want me to ask? Because if you didn't, you wouldn't know that he's God. We use our words as an act of faith. It is a confession that he's God, I'm not. We use our words as an act of faith. He's God, I'm not. We're going to use our words. And the last thing we're going to do when we begin to pray is we're going to begin to worship God. We're not just going to do it for a few seconds. We're going to do it till we feel God's presence touch us. There's kids here. There's young people here. It's been a while since God has ministered to you. It's been a while since God's spirit has touched you, has filled you. God wants to do that today. There's adults here. It's been a while since God's spirit has ministered to you, has touched you. But when you focus your attention and you begin to worship God, when you focus your attention on him, his attention is on you and his spirit will respond. So all across the building, here's what I want us to do. I want us to lift both of our hands. I want us to close our eyes. I want you to get your mind focused just on the spirit of God right now. I want you just, if you have to, I just want you to imagine yourself standing before Calvary. I want you to imagine yourself standing in front of the cross. And now I just want you to begin to use your words, and I want you to begin to worship. If you don't know what to say, that's okay. You don't have to have the words together. I just want you to tell them, God, I give myself to you today. God, I give my heart to you today. God, I give my mind to you today. We're going to pray for a little bit here. And if you haven't received the spirit of God, somebody might come up to you and just ask, can I pray with you? I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. We're going to do this together. We're going to walk in a closeness with God today. All across this building, I just want you just to continue to keep your hands raised. I want you to continue to keep your voice lifted. And I want you to just begin to pray. If somebody could help me just to put on some prayer music here just for the next few moments. But I just want you to lift your voice and just begin to pray. There might be altar workers in this place. I want you to find somebody that you know needs to connect with God on this level. And I want you to begin to pray with them. Come on, I want you to use your words. When you begin to use your words and you begin to tell God, God, I want your spirit today. And I thank you for filling me with your spirit. God begins to move. Come on, I'm asking some leaders that are here. Find somebody that you know needs God's spirit. And I just want you to begin to 
pray with them here in the next few moments. Uh, I want you to find somebody that needs prayer, that needs to connect with God on a deeper level. And I just want you to ask them, hey, can I pray with you here for the next few moments? Because when we pray together, God's spirit responds. Come on, that's it all across this building. God's spirit wants to respond to you today. God wants to give you his spirit today. If you're praying for a young person, a child in front of you, I just want you to pray a prayer of protection over them. I want you to pray, I want you to pray God's spirit over them. But I want us to pray together right now. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 